Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Very thankful to be here on this time of celebration. And for all of you who are visiting, this morning is a very special morning. This, this congregation has been journeying. We've kind of been following a star too, amen? We've been on a journey, uh, not exactly knowing where, the, where, where it would all end up. But in the process of that, also knowing that God had good things in store. And today we're here to do something we've all been looking forward to, and that's the reinstallation of Pastor Ron and Annette as your pastors. They've been on a almost nine-month leave of absence. About nine months ago, we started in this journey when, when uh, it came to our attention that Pastor Ron had an addiction to prescription drugs. And we've been walking that process through of his restoration standing with him. And I want to thank you as a congregation for being who you are. Most churches, this doesn't happen. The pastor deals with some area of a certain personal, what would I say, break in their life. And uh, all of a sudden, it's maybe a leave of absence or a sabbatical that disappears. And... uh, the congregation doesn't have enough grace to really walk them through the process. Or, in some dimension, even denominations do not have the wherewithal to walk that process out with them. Pastor Ron and Annette have been involved in an amazing rebuilding season, and you've all been a part of it. And, and the team here, I want to thank the staff, pastors, all the staff, all the servants council, the council, the elders. You've all been a part of this. Uh, Tim Mossholder has been my kind of boots on the ground person here on a consistent basis. We thank you all because this wouldn't happen without you. It's a miraculous thing. And I, I think it's so timed because the scripture when, talks about when the angel came to Joseph and he said, you're going to have a son in this this baby is to be called Jesus because he will save his people. And the word save is more than just an experience. When, you, when we walk up to an altar, we, we raise our hand. But it's an ongoing work of deliverance and wholeness that God works in our life from the day we come to Jesus. He might say, what has happened over these nine months to bring us to this place? And we all started with a desire in our heart. And I shared with you at the beginning, I had one desire, and that was to see Ron, Ron restored as your pastor. But I also told you, and you were very gracious with me, that there was no guarantees. This is between Ron and God in a walk that he would embrace. And in that walk, we have seen tremendous things happen in his life. And Ron and Annette, they'll be sharing a little bit later on. But I want, you to, I want to share with you four things that just nail down why we're here this morning, Christmas celebration, to make this step. First of all, Pastor Ron has renewed his vital relationship with Jesus Christ during this time. Do you remember when Ron shared at the beginning, he said, there's something I've lost in my life, and it's kind of that whisper of God. 
Sometimes in the midst of busyness and all the things that happen in our life, we get so caught up, we, we lose the still small voice. And I want you to know during this time, God has restored that to your pastor. The vitality, the hearing of the voice of the Lord. Number two, uh, Pastor Ron has developed an ongoing structure of support and accountability to remain healthy and personally whole. He has counselor, a counselor in his life. He has a support system through AA. He has the support of all of you who are praying and staying. There is a, he has the support of our, our family, our Foursquare family and national support. There is support and there is accountability that give, keeps him safe and as he walks out this new life in Jesus Christ that he's experiencing. Number three, Pastor Ron is re-engaging lost patterns of devotion and, and spiritual discipline. He's afresh finding, the t building actually the boundaries in his life to listen, to obey. You know, sometimes in the midst of our struggles, those are the first things that disappear. We get so busy, we don't stop and listen. Just listen. I heard an illustration the other day of someone, a reporter asked Mother Teresa, uh, he, she, he was talking to her about her prayer life. And he said, Mother Teresa, when you pray, what do you say to God? And she says, I don't say anything. He kind of looked baffled and he said, well, what does God say to you? And she said, he doesn't talk either. It's a heart-to-heart -heart thing. And she said, and if you don't get that, you don't get prayer. The fourth thing that's so important, too, is Ron has rediscovered God's heart and compassion for the most needy and vulnerable. In this journey, it's kind of allowed him to unplug from the position of a pastor. And we all need that. And, and rediscover that we are people. All stand on the same ground all stand at the same foot of the cross, none better, none closer to God. God loves us all the same, amen? And, and it's rediscovering that. Matter of fact, God loves people who yet have not even come to know him as much as he loves you and I. Amen? Even if they're in rebellion to him, he loves them the same because they're made in his image. And Ron has been rediscovering that passion that has allowed him to be the pastor he has in, in, in founding this, this season of the church life. So as we've journeyed this together, we've come to a place upon those four foundations. Feel now is time for the restoration of Ron into his position of authority. The council... The elders, the servants' council, we've shared this with them. They've confirmed. And, and this morning, we want to bring Ron and Annette up. Why don't you come on up? Would you just think? I think you kind of like them, huh? Yeah. They're keepers, huh? Yeah. 
I want uh, the council, the elders, church staff who'd like to come and participate. Would you come up with my wife? Come, come join us. We want to lay hands on them and pray for them. And an installation is something that I do when a, a pastor is brought to a congregation. It's, it's a time of placing them in agreement with God's establishing them as leaders in a congregation. We believe with that comes a specific mantle. What, by mantle is it's something that a pastor doesn't have in himself that only God can give. And we believe God wants to renew that and multiply that this morning. How many of you would agree with that? Yeah, just that blessing, that power of the Holy Spirit, that anointing for this new season. Would you all raise your hands out towards them? And uh, let's pray and ask the Lord to renew the mantle, refresh them in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for, Lord, you're the only one who choose shepherds, Lord. You're the one, Lord, who chooses them not because of their merit, not because of their performance, not because of their great gifting, but, Lord Jesus, because of your choice, which is still a mystery to all of us. And I pray in Jesus' name that Ron would just be humbled afresh with the calling of God on his life. Lord, you chose him. He didn't choose you. And because of that, Lord, you've given him every ability, every, every part of a mantle necessary to re- lead this congregation into its future. And I pray a spirit of wisdom and revelation would rest upon him in the knowledge of you, your word, and your will, Lord Jesus. That, Lord, the, the word of God had come afresh, Lord, to his heart. And, Lord, he'd see revelation he's never seen before. And, Lord, he would be the faithful shepherd that guides, Lord. Lord, he guides the church because he sees what you're doing, and he leads them to cooperate and facilitate that. I speak blessing over to him, anointing, stir up the gifts that you put in him by the calling, anointing of the Holy Spirit, and the laying on of hands of leadership. And I pray for Annette during this time. Lord, she's been, Lord, a part of this journey. You've been... You've had her on her own journey, own personal life. Because we've understood that addiction isn't a personal situation only. It's a family thing. It's something we all are getting freed of. And I pray in Jesus' name during this time that the things that you've spoken quietly to her heart, Lord, would be written indelibly, Lord, in her mind, Lord. That not one word you have spoken to her would fall to the ground. But, Lord Jesus, you would plant it deep in her heart. And, Lord, I thank you for them. I pray you strengthen, Lord, their marriage. Lord, I pray they would continue to model marriage and family. And, Lord Jesus, we put a hedge of protection around them. We cover them with the blood of Jesus Christ. We bind the enemy in any attack against this couple, Lord, in this their family, and this church family. And in Jesus' name, Lord, we declare that this is not just a house of healing, but it's a house of restoration from this day forward. That a message and a ministry of restoration, not just you healing people, but people discovering, Lord, afresh your divine purpose and calling on their life and entering into it. We thank you for that. 
and we now put them into your hands. And Lord, we seal this with, Lord, a scripture from your word now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore. And the people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. And uh, what I'd like to do right now, if we can, I just want to pray. Uh, I want you to pray for me, would you? Uh, There are times that you do things like this, especially when you come into something that can be hard to discuss, something about your life, and you want to self-protect. That's my nemesis, is I just want to... I just want to guard my heart. I want to protect my heart, not in a good way or a healthy way, but in a way that, you know, just fends people off, not letting them see who God has really made me to be. And I I don't want that to happen. Uh, I don't want that to happen in my life. I I know that for sure. And so I'm just going to ask that you would pray that the Lord would keep my heart really during this time just confidently humble before the Lord, that we can hear the word of the Lord together. Would Would you pray with me? Would you do that? Father, we just ask in Jesus' name, I ask in your name, that you would, um, that you would touch my heart. Uh, Lord, that I wouldn't self-protect, that I wouldn't put up walls, that I wouldn't guard the things and not freely give the things that you've given me. Uh, so today, Lord Jesus, let us freely exchange the blessing and the gift that you've given us. We thank you for the freedom that you've given us. We thank you for the wholeness that you provide in the name of Jesus. And today, we walk that journey knowing and we're confident in our Lord Jesus Christ that you have done a great thing. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen. Amen. This past year has been a journey for me, to say the least, and I've needed a lot of help along the way, a whole lot of help along the way. Uh, I've needed help from my family. My family has been a tremendous blessing. Annette has been an incredible blessing in my life. Um, My kids, my grandkids, my grandkids have been so um, encouraging, refreshing. They're kind of like, when you spend time with them, uh, they, they just love you unconditionally. It's kind of like a puppy, you know, they just, you just go hang out and, and I needed to go hang out with them, spend time with them uh, because all they know me as is their papa. And it was, uh, it was so refreshing. It was healing for me to spend time with them and my family. I've needed help from my boss, bishop, district supervisor. There are all kinds of titles you can give him. Uh, but Larry has been a huge, Larry and Sue have been a huge blessing in our lives. For Annette and I, we've needed them in our lives. I've needed them in my life. I think the greatest gift that Larry gave me is he gave me space. Um, I don't know how to describe this all together, but it felt like I was in the dark on a merry-go-round. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It's not fun. It's not comfortable. You're not even sure where you're going to get off. You're not sure of anything. And Larry stepped in, and what he did is he just disengaged me. He just came in graciously, and he said, no, you just need to take some time away. You need to rest. You need to get healed. That gift of space uh, allowed me to grow. It allowed me to deal with the things that I needed to deal with in my own heart. And so I want to thank Larry for his help and all that he did for me. 
I needed, a, I needed help from our pastors and our staff. They filled in the gap. They carried the load. They did a tremendous job. It's a lot of work. Amen. It's a lot of work taking care of these people, isn't it? It is, and they, they, they've done a great job, and I really appreciate them. I've needed their help, and I needed the help of good friends, good friends in my life that came along. They would pick me up. They would take me for these long drives. We could talk the beginning of all this, and I'm going to confess, they even, they even let me cuss a little bit, you know? Uh, listen, farm cussing, not city cussing. There's a difference. There's a difference between Canby cussing and Portland cussing, Okay? <laughs> And so, uh, so I spent time with them. It was, it, was, it was refreshing. They weren't judgmental. They just let me talk and let me share and let me spend time. And we just go for these long drives. And I really do and have appreciated that. I'm still taking those long drives with a few of those guys. And, and it means the world to me. It really means the world to me. Other leaders in our community, uh, right after this was announced publicly when Larry came, I think it was the 1st of June, I received a text about, I think it was a day or two later, from one of the pastors in this community who was out of town. He was on summer vacation, and he, he just texted me, and he said, hey, uh, can we have coffee when I come back? That began a great relationship, a great friendship, and I see this person in my life, one of our local pastors, as a mentor. He's helped me just maneuver through things, helped me think, helped me get it out, helped me talk. And I really appreciate those leaders in my life. And certainly this pastor has been one of those. The other group that I've deeply appreciated is my AA friends. Great group of people. These are people that flew, uh, threw me a lifeline. They gave me something that, that I didn't know that was possible. They gave me anonymity and they gave me honesty. You should try that sometime. It really works. I need people like that in my life. I need, I need truth tellers in my life. Sometimes we go about our journey and we, we start to uh, isolate ourselves from people who can really help us and tell us the truth. And I'm so glad that I have these people in my life. They have been a huge blessing. These past several months I've been, have really been the most difficult time of my life where I've been forced to face my brokenness. I've been forced to face my insecurities, something I found out about myself. The older I get, the more secure I am with my insecurities, you know, just kind of has happened. I've had to face my weakness and my worst fears, but it's been so great to see the strength of God in all of this. It's not a fun thing to do. It's a scary thing to do. The scariest thing for us to do is to look into our own hearts and have the Holy Spirit help us discover what's really there. And yet that's the thing that we need the most. It's kind of a paradox, isn't it? The thing that we need the most is to be known, fully known. And yet the thing that scares us the most is to be fully known. And I know if I don't have people in my life that really know me, if I don't have people in my life that I can confess to, that I can talk to, what happens is I develop this highly edited version of who I am, one that I like. And I present it to people in hopes that they like the edited version more than they like the real thing. It's a trap that I know I fell into. And I'm so thankful for people that I can go to and just share my heart. 
You know, I didn't trust God with my pain. I didn't trust God with my physical pain, my emotional pain. And what it did is it led me down the path of addiction, addiction to pain medication. When I'd come to the end of myself, I, I found that the only way that I would find freedom, the only way that I would find wholeness was by surrendering to God. Listen, if you're wanting a way out right now, there's only one way. And please understand me. I've become an expert at trying to find the other ways. There are no other ways. There's one way. And that way is surrender. Just going to God and surrendering to Him. Surrendering is not my strength. It's something that I've struggled with my whole life. The opposite of surrender is rebellion. So you've got to add that up. It's not trusting. I was in a dark and very lonely place and I really believe that my pastoring days were over. They were behind me. Uh, what I did is I started putting a resume together. I called some of my buddies up and quietly asked them <clears throat> if they would hire an ex-pastor. If they, you know, ex-pastors aren't really worth much, I found out. <laughs> I mean, where am I going to go? You know, what am I going to do? Called my buddy Doug Sprague. He owns Canby Excavating. Yeah, right. They're going to want to beat up pastor to uh, dig a ditch. And, uh, it, you know, I did go do that for a while, by the way. It was great. It was godly. It was good for my soul. But I came to this place, and it's a place where really God showed up in my darkness. I remember just laying on the couch and just thinking, this is, this is over, you know? And God, I am tired. I am burnt out. I am weak. I really don't have any strength to hold on. And I remember just thinking, I am so, I don't have a grip. I don't have a grip on life. I don't have a grip on God. And if I, if I do, it was, it was so weak and so feeble. And I'll never forget what God said to me at that moment. He said something to me that really rattled my theology. He just whispered and he said, let go of me. Just let go. And, and, and it scared me. It really did. It, it scared me, but I, I didn't really have a choice. So I, I let go, and what I found out about God changed my life. I found out who was really holding on to who. You know, until you let go, you don't know who's holding on to who. And you can confuse your strength with God's strength, by the way. You can, you can think that God's up to something, and it's really you, because you're still holding on. And here the Lord just said, you, you just need to let go and know who's holding on to who. And it was only until I let go I discovered how strong God really is. You see, <clears throat> I would have never known how strong God really is until I let go and I could see him. And his strength and his greatness and all the things that he really wanted to do in my life that required miracles. There was no way that I could perform any miracle on my own. But by letting go, I, I found out how strong and how great, how awesome God is in a way that I've never seen before. I also realized that my security does not depend on how I hold on to God. 
My security comes from God holding on to me. It's a whole different lifestyle. It's a whole different way of living. Being able to say, God, you got a hold of me. I'm too weak to hold on to you. My security comes from you, and it's because you're holding on to me. And his great strong hand held on to me. And then came another kind of letting go. It was letting go of you. I had to release you and trust God that all would be well, even if we went different directions. This was probably the most difficult thing, the hardest thing for Annette and I. She's going to share her story later on, but my recovery had to do with no promises, no attachments. That what I was really about and my recovery, it had to do with me. Me being the man that God wanted me to be, the husband, the father. Something happens when you take on a particular role and maybe you've experienced this and I don't think the role of a pastor is much different than other roles that you take. You begin to believe and think that's your identity and it's not your identity. My job as a a pastor, something I love to do is, is not my identity. And I needed those things to be clearly separated so I could see them and I could embrace the things clearly could embrace the things that God wanted me to embrace. But letting go of you was, was hard. You know, it was only until the middle of September that I sat down with uh, Larry. And it was then that there was God's witness, there was our counsel, there was Larry, that we would come back together again. It took a while. And it was a good thing. It was a good thing for me to let go. It was a good thing for me to trust you with God's Holy Spirit. And today I trust God with you more than I've ever trusted God with you. You're all right. And the Holy Spirit is strong in you. And I trust the Holy Spirit in you. And in the days ahead, we'll just trust God together. We might not have all the answers, might not know exactly where we're headed, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And so I'm thankful, and with all humility, I say that we've joined back together. I say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this day. You've brought us back together. Now my story includes an addiction and recovery, something that I'll need to manage for the rest of my life, something I didn't plan on, something I didn't write in the script. I don't know if anyone writes those things in their script. But it has changed the way that I see myself. It's changed the way that I see my neighbors, the people that I do life with. Recently, I was asked a question. The question was this. How do you want people to remember you? You know, it was at the beginning of this recovery process, and I thought, this is probably not a good time to ask me. You know, this is just not the best time. But it was a question that I needed to deal with and face. To my surprise, the answer came pretty quick. You know, it, it would have been, oh, 15 or 20 years ago, the answer was different. 15 or 20 years ago, if you would have asked me the question, how do you want people to remember you or what your legacy is? 
You know, it had been full of a lot of heroic things, you know? You know, that, that uh, warrior man, the, the tough guy. Uh, yeah, we're going to see a lot of people saved, and we should. And, and I'm going to be more than a conqueror, and I really need to be. But the way that I answered this question at this time in my life was different than the way I answered this question before. The way I answered this question was, he righted the wrongs in his life, and he helped others do the same. Not real heroic. You don't blow the trumpets on that one. But it's true about every day. Righting the wrongs in our own life every single day. Doing the next right thing. And saying, God, help me with that. Help me just do the next right thing. And I think that's what we're about. I want to give you some bad news, good news. The bad news, by the way, the bad news is always my doing. The good news is always God's doing. And the bad news, I have some significant defects in my life. That's the bad news. The good news is this, and that's God's doing. God has taken those defects and he's redeemed them. He's rewritten my story. He's given me a, maybe a different story to tell now. I was talking to my friend not too long ago and he was talking, telling me about remodeling his house and they were going to put in a new wood floor and so they had all the, the boxes of uh, the new wood show up and he thought he'd look in and check it out and so he was opening up the boxes and when he opened the first box, he saw these defective parts laying on the top and he was a little concerned. He thought, well, maybe they, they got the wrong boxes here. They shipped me defective parts and he looked into another box and sure enough, there were some more defective parts on the top and another one and more defective parts, and he was concerned, so he called the floor installer over, and he, and he said, hey, listen, this box, these boxes are full of de- defective parts. And the floor installer said, oh, no, 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 no. No, they're really not. What you're seeing on the top is, is meant to be there. When we get this floor finished, and we put these defective parts in the floor... It's your floor. No one else has a floor like this, and it will be beautiful. It'll have the uniqueness, the patina, the kind of the the look you're looking for. And I realized when he was saying this, telling this story, that he was talking about my life. You know, all of us have those things in our life that God can use if you let him use them. That's really the key. How the defective parts of my life have been put into the hands of a master builder and he makes this beautiful design that becomes uniquely me, no one else. You are uniquely you and how God has made you, how he's wired you. Just reconcile with the fact that there's brokenness and give it to him. Reconcile to the fact that there's sin and weakness and insecurities and give it to him. And in his hands, he he does some pretty amazing things, things that I can't do with those defective parts. God really wants to work and continue to work in my life that way. You know, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna ask Annette to come and, and sit with me for just a, 
a few more minutes, and, and we want to tell you how you helped us through the most difficult time of our lives. And um, this is really about you now um, and what you've done for us. Annette and I have had some time to think. We've had time to talk. We've had time to pray about the gift that you've given us. And it's been huge. And I want to tell you what that gift is. Clear and simple. You hoped for us. It's um, really a gift that's underestimated. You hoped for us even when it was hard for us to hope it for ourselves. One of the ways, many ways, that you showed your hope for us was through your cards, your notes, your smiles, your contacts with us. And it really made the difference in both of our lives. Uh, in June, when Larry first gave the message and uh, shared about Ron's addiction and all the implications that come with addiction and and then our extended leave of absence. Um, I need to tell you that very, it was a Saturday night, the Saturday night, and then it went on through Sunday. It was just our phones lit up immediately after service of people texting us and telling us, we love you, we're with you, we'll stand with you. Huh, you do not realize how much those words meant to us. I mean, instantly when that message went out, we were, we're at home not knowing, not knowing how the congregation is going to take this. And, um, and I can, we can say this with complete <laughs> assurity that we would not be here mm -hmm. if you did not support and care for us and love us through this time. Mm -hmm. You have represented the church so well the Church of Christ so well because so oftentimes you go through hard things and it's people out there who really actually treat you better than sometimes the church treats you. And you have, mm -hmm. you have done a great job mm -hmm. of loving us. Thank you so much. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that. It has been the hardest, the darkest, the scariest, the most anguish, you know, that I could experience. And when um, giving up the church, oh, my gosh, there were some cuss words out of my mouth, too, <laughs> at him. <laughs> it's like, no. But I had to come to that place of trusting God that I've never trusted God before to that depth. And um, it hasn't been easy. It has not been easy. And, and um, we have received, these are not Christmas cards. These are letters, notes, emails from you from the day I mean every single day in the mail we received something for months and it was like uh, just a breath of air yeah. it was a breath of air for you to come over those who came and gave us um, the um, pumpkin bread uh, there's We're one particular it. person who brought several loaves of pumpkin bread at different times. It was so great. This was a prayer our son, um, when we shared this with the congregation um, many years ago. He's 27 years old now, and he was about three when he prayed, thank God he don't beat we up. And a dear friend of ours, right out of the hospital, because Ron had the knee replacement as well, which complicated things because I wanted him off drugs, but you can't get off drugs when you just had your knee replaced. And um, so um, 
she brought this over. And I'll tell you, this meant so much to us. God, don't beat we up. Thank you, Jesus. And you don't either. You did not beat us up. Thank you. Out of all these letters, cards, notes, not one nasty, not, not one shame on you. It was all. We love you. We care about you. Take time. Rest. We believe God in you. And I wanted to share some of those things with you um, that were just so meaningful. You are not alone. When this came and it said you're not alone, you don't know how much that ministers to us. And then we received several cards that said our thanks and thank you. And I thought, oh, my goodness, these people really mean what they say. They're thanking us for our brokenness (laughs) and for our vulnerability and our willingness to walk through this. says thank you for being vulnerable and real and trusting all of us enough to let us into your life. Wow. I mean, I'm... I don't know. I, I wouldn't have made it without you. We're confident of that this is part of God's plan for your life, and he will use it to his glory. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on you. Please be at peace about this temporary road bump and hold fast to his hand. More thank yous. And um, this one just started out with this word of ministry to us. She addressed it, dearest ones. And uh, it just is so ministering to us. You're loved, you're missed, you're prayed for. And um, then, you know, another thing we experienced through this is we experienced your trust in us to share with us your brokenness. Mm -hmm. We heard of addictions and um and i want you to know they're safe with us Mm -hmm. our our journey ron's addiction has gone viral yours on the other hand is safe with us unless you wanted to go viral (laughs) um but you also weren't afraid many of you were not afraid to come up and even ask well how's ron doing on his pain medication that's going to the dark place And you weren't afraid to do that. Last night, somebody came up to me. He goes, you know, this takes a lot of guts. And I said, you're right. It does take a lot of guts. And it takes a lot of guts for you guys, too, to walk with us through this. But you weren't afraid to go to that dark place with us. And this particular note um, just shares some of their journey. But then he goes on and says, you'll be fine. And I like that. I like that simple, you'll be fine. You have a ton of support out here from people that you don't even know that love and respect you. We're all pulling for you in anticipation of your return. And then, you know, humor always helps, you know, and I appreciate that, that even through the darkest times, the hard times in our lives, we can laugh. And he enclosed this uh, story that I have to share with you. A drunk wanders into a water baptism event on a Sunday afternoon um, down by the river. He stumbles into the water and stands next to the pastor. The pastor turns and notices the old drunk and says, Sir, are you ready to find Jesus? The drunk looks at him and says, Yes, sir, I am. The pastor then dunks the fellow under the water and pulls him right back up. Have you found Jesus? The pastor asks. No, I didn't, replied the drunk. The pastor dunks him again, only a little longer, brings him up and says, Now, brother, did you find Jesus? No, I did not, said the drunk again. 
Frustrated, the pastor holds the man under for at least 30 seconds this time, brings him up and demands, for the grace of God, have you found Jesus yet? The old drunk wipes his eyes and pleads, are you sure this is where he fell in? This says, we just wanted to let you know that you are not forgotten. Those are words of hope to us. Mm-hmm. And um, this one was special to us because it's from Virginia Nelson, and she passed away just recently. And I talked to her daughter last night, and she said that her mom was lying on her deathbed saying, I got to get that note to Pastor Ron. I got to get that note to Pastor Ron. And it's so, so special and so tender and her care for us. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I just, again, I want to tell you, thank you. You have been to us Christ. Mm -hmm. You have been the hope of Christ. And um, it just means the world to us. And Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be here without you. Mm -hmm. You know, the Christmas season contains so many hope-filled words and phrases. Um, but there's one that really has stood out above all the rest this season for, for both Annette and I. Uh, and it's God's gift to us. You know, it's a gift to us who are broken, who are wayward, who are addicted, who are lonely, who are fearful. It's God's way of hoping for you and me. And the gift is spoken to us in Isaiah chapter 7 and then repeated again in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 when the angel came and spoke prophetically to Joseph. And this is what the angel said to Joseph. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. It's the gift of his presence. And I can't think of a a better gift, a greater gift, a more securing gift that God would give us when we are broken, when we're lonely, when we're destitute, than to be able to say to us, to promise us, I'm with you. It isn't I will be with you or I have been with you. I am with you now. And I, I pray that that this brings encouragement to you. That if you're dealing with a measure, a level of brokenness in your own life, when you can't hope for yourselves, we can be sure that God hoped for us. He, he hoped for us by coming in the form of human flesh. He hoped for us by sending this, this child, this baby. That, that's how he hoped for you and me. He just didn't stay there in heaven. He came down and he says, I want you to know how much I hope for you. And I know today that God hopes for you. Whatever it is that you're facing, maybe, listen, I know how this feels. Maybe in the back of your mind, you're thinking that the people around you would be better off without you. I mean, you may be in that real dark place. Christmas time sometimes isn't as joyous for you as it may be for other people. That's really not true. People aren't better without you. 
but you're struggling to hope for yourself, let me give you encouragement. Let me hope for you. Let this church hope for you. They're really good at it. They're really good at it. And maybe you just need someone to hope for you to get you through this dark place. Maybe you need someone just to hope for you. Someone came up to me last night and said, I was there. I'd lost my will to live. But I remember God hoped for me and there were people in my life that hoped for me. And here's my hope for you. Here's my hope. If this is true about you, this is my hope for you that you would accept God's gift of salvation. If you haven't done that, it's amazing. It's a solution. That you would let him fill those empty places. Those empty places are horrible. They're awful. And um, the only one that can fill those empty places are, is God. It's not pills, it's not alcohol, it's not pornography, it's not work. Just keep on with the list. It's none of those things. God wants to fill your empty space with him. Emmanuel, his presence, he wants to be with you. And that you would believe he can and will forgive you. Whatever, whatever it is, he'll forgive you. He's forgiven us. No, no strings attached, he's forgiven us. And that you would always seek him. And I want to say that again. That you would always seek him. The thing about religion, it messes us up. Because religion says that these are the requirements for you to be approved somehow by God. Listen, you know, you know the one thing is seek him. Just be a seeker of God. And I'll tell you this. If you're seeking him, he will be found. Drop all the other, I was going to say crap, but I better not do that. <laughs> oh, I said it. It came out. <laughs> Drop all the other stuff, all the other bars that you think you have to jump over. If you're not used to this church stuff, this God stuff, this all the other stuff, let me, let me ask you to do one thing. Seek him. Seek him. And he will be found. And I'm going to ask that we close here today. Can, would you do one thing? I, I, I've been doing this. I, I wrote in my journal uh, about two weeks ago. Ron, make sure. That's what I call myself in my journal. Ron, make sure that everyone you cross paths with experience the gift of hope that you hope for them because you don't know. They might be thinking they're going to they're going to end it. They might be thinking they're going to go do something that just is devastating, but that one encounter with me or with you brings hope and they can they can go that next hour. This next few days make it part of your journal. I am going to hope for the people around me that need hope the most. And you will give them the greatest gift for Christmas. People just need others to hope for them when they can't hope for themselves. Let's do that together.
Let's do that together. God with us. Would you bow your heads? God, let us see our neighbors through your eyes. That we would hope for those around us, for our neighbors who are right here in this place, our neighbors who will cross paths with at work or at school, on the streets in Canby, in the community, Oregon City, Malala, wherever we may live, that our paths would cross with people and that when they do, that we will pass that gift on, that assurance that we have that God is with us. Let us communicate that to others, regardless of their backgrounds, regardless of their understanding of God or what they are or where they are or what church they attend or what church they don't attend. Lord, let us give the gift of hope. Just anoint us to do that. In the days to come, people have given me the gift of hope. And my life has been changed. Thank you for that wonderful gift. In Jesus' name we pray. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.